yum nub. Eat out for yum nub. Hi, and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Matt, and I have a bad feeling about this. And I am Jamie. You have something I want. You may think you have some idea of what you are in possession of, but you do not. Very, very good. You're doing the... I panicked, because I didn't have one. (laughs) When you started playing the intro, I was like, oh shit, I forgot to look one up. Yours is topical. Thank you. And I I think we're all in agreement... That we have figured out how Bad Batch is going to end. Luke Skywalker is going to come pick up Omega. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to review Bad Batch Season 1, Episode 9, Bounty Lost, which aired today, June 25th, 2021. But before we do that, we have to check in with one another. Um, did you do any Star Wars this week? 100% did not. I don't know what's with me. I... I just have I just had not had the time. The only Star Wars thing I did was I transferred uh, all my Star Wars comics onto my daughter's Kindle because she likes reading the Star Wars comics. Because we got her a, a Kindle because it has the ability to use like the Osmo science and math stuff. And so I was just like, well, here you can have some comics to read. That's the most Star Wars I did. It's sad and pathetic. No, I, I mean, be ashamed. No, we have busy. We get busy. We have lives. Yeah, it was the, it was the playoffs for. For uh, for ice sport ball, so the Suns, um, right? No, the uh, Islanders. Oh, oh, that's right. I forget. They, they I forget your wife. Ice. Your wife's a hockey fan. Mm-hmm. Um, the Suns are also in the playoffs. Oh yeah, different playoffs though. I I can't get right. that interested in it. Well, you live in Phoenix, but whatever. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, no one knows where we live. I don't live in Washington D.C. <laughs> I live in an undisclosed location, my bunker in Idaho. Or, that's no, probably Idaho. more specific. That's probably more specific than where I said you lived. So I didn't. I also didn't have much time to do a lot of Star Wars. I edited a podcast, and but I did find a part for my R two that I've been looking for very hard, and so now I have all the parts that I need to make him like a little free standing. The, fle- the flashlight. The flashlight. Yeah. yeah. I found the flashlight attachment for the R two. <laughs> This thing is going to entertain children at the children's hospital, so keep it PG. Well, maybe, you know, maybe just don't bring that attachment out. Yeah, I mean, when, he's modular. Uh, he's modular. Say, he can blow up balloons, and then for a different crowd, you know, you could pay to have sex with him. There you go. Other other than that, I didn't do anything Star Warsy this week. Um, but we are we are coming up on the release of a bunch of... High Republic stuff. Two High Republic books come out on Tuesday of next week, which I think is like the 30th or something of June. And one of them is um, Kavan Scott's book, and I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, get some more uh, get some more Star Wars books in. I've been listening to so many other different books and so many different podcasts now that I've like I, I went from like burning through books on a long commute and having like nothing to listen to to like no commute. Having tons of books to listen to and tons of podcasts, so I get, I have to make time to actually like listen to things now. Well, I do think so. I have a discussion planned for the back end of this episode, so maybe we should hop into the episode um, before we get too long in the timing for this one. Do you are you okay just moving right into the review today? Sure, sure. Um, so before we get into the actual plot, I do like to talk about sort of the production cast, and we're going to do something slightly different today because we have um, the same writer 
and and um, director that we've had before. So the so the writer of this episode is Matt Nicknovets. I'm really sorry if that's not right. Looks right. He's he was the head writer for season six and seven of Clone Wars, and previously he wrote for the show Twenty Four with Kiefer Sutherland. Um, he wrote for Rebels, and he previously wrote the Bad Batch episode Replacement. So we talked about him back on the episode where we're talking about um, Rampart and Operation War Mantle, which we're going to get to today, actually. We're going to talk about War Mantle some more today. Today I want to talk about the director and the music, though. Uh, the music for the Star Wars cartoons has been produced by a man named Kevin Kiner. He's a cool He's a cool guy. He's on Twitter, and he interacts with fans a lot. Um, but he wrote the music for Rebels and Clone Wars. And today, you can buy the first... Um, volume of the Bad Batch soundtrack. Um, it's got 30-something tracks on it. I'm going to buy it probably after this recording, but I, I love Star Wars music, and Kevin does a phenomenal job. It's it's not just John Williams light. It's completely different, and but still familiar somehow. Yeah, the without giving anything away, the, the music in this episode really stood out. A lot of times it's just like, it's in there, and you know you can I can I hear it, but I don't really I, it doesn't really take me out and be like, wow, this is great music. So that's it's actually uh, kind of funny that you know we're mentioning him because it, this episode the music really just stood out to me. Yeah, it's one of the so it's it's sort of a coincidence because I love the music in this episode. We hardly ever talk about it, even though we both have music in our pasts. We hardly ever talk about the music, but we did mention it on a on the episode where. Where they go see cut it was the second episode um, because when omega walks off the ship for the first time the music is so like right of spring you know it's so verdant because she's seen like dirt for the first time it's just such a great packaging for that scene things that i i think we should probably pay a little bit closer attention to but we end up talking about so much stuff it's hard to slot in the music um the other thing i wanted to highlight up, up front is that the director for this we haven't mentioned directors before but brad rao is the director of this episode and he previously directed episodes of rebels and a bad batch and he's actually the namesake for finn rao oh uh, awesome protector of the concord dawn he's a great character in rebels and when i found that little piece of trivia i was like oh we got to talk about this for a second um he's got a wonderful resume seems to be mostly star wars but but a wonderful wonderful resume mm-hmm all right, so that's it for our production cast for today. All right, so on to the plot summary. So this show is a continuation, an immediate continuation of the previous episode. It opens up over Braca, where the Bad Batch are in their ship running away from an attack shuttle with crosshair on it, um, shooting at them, and they are taking fire. So this is probably 20 seconds after the end of the last episode. Um, Wrecker is in the rear gun compartment firing back. He's telling them, he's communicating that things are getting pretty hairy back there. They're scanning the system to see if they can locate any other ships. There are no other ships, and Tech wants to jump into hyperspace before they're shot down, but Hunter reiterates that they have to find Omega. She's gone, though, and they can't track through hyperspace, because that's not how... We're not at The Last Jedi, and that's not how it works, right? Mm-hmm. And Cad Bane is gone, and so Hunter tells them to make the jump, and they jump into hyperspace. Just real quick, I love that we're getting not just a story arc, but like you could edit this into a really long episode. 
you know, it's like a, it's like the next act from the previous episode. It's literally immediately after. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So we're on, so we're on Cad Bane's ship now. Um, it's called the Justifier, if you care. Uh, Omega wakes up in sort of a brig. Sort of, she's in one of those ray-shielded rooms, uh, and the little robot Toto shows up, and Omega asks, demands that he let her go. Um, she realizes she doesn't have her bracer anymore with her comm on it, and then Omega argues some more with Toto to let her go. Toto is not really um, complying with this request, and then Cad Bane shows up to check on her. She asks Cad Bane who he is, and he introduces himself. She threatens him, saying that her friends are going to come get him. He'll be sorry. And Bane tells her that her friends are gone, and no one's coming to help her. Toto asks Cad Bane to fix his leg, because remember, Hunter shot it off in their failed duel, um, but he is ignored. Uh, I didn't notice it in the earlier... Uh, in the previous episode, and maybe this is just a new look for Cad Bane, but tend kind of to go with his Western vibe, he, uh, the gunslinger vibe that he has, like the like the chest plate that he's wearing, kind of makes me think of like a like a shirt, like a like a like a shirt with like like buttons. I mean, it's yeah. So so he does have a new look, and he has a new design, and there's a couple design elements that I want to call out a little bit later, but we can talk about his wardrobe right now. So his his entire upper body has like this nor ornate look to it. I think previously it was just like a like a button down like a Han Solo style shirt under a duster sort of thing, but now this is a much more um like you said it's like like clasps or something on it. Mm-hmm. It it looks really cool. But yeah, it's it's the first time you get a really good look at him and you get a couple good views of Cad Bane's new style or his new features in this episode. So Cad Bane returns to the cockpit and contacts the Kaminoans and sets up a rendezvous on a planet Bora Vio to deliver Omega, and he tells them to bring the credits. The Prime Minister Lamasu sends Tom Way to retrieve Omega because he doesn't trust the other um, Kaminoan because of her close relationship with Omega. Lamasu says they need to recover the genetic material, and then they can kill Omega. Back on Cad Bane's ship, Toto and Omega are talking while Toto tries to fix his own leg. Omega offers to help, tells him she's done this sort of repair before, but Toto does not fall for this yet. Spoiler. Back on the Bad Batch's ship, the Havoc Marauder, they're searching the database and find out that the bounty hunter that took Omega was Cad Bane, and then the Bad Batch take a the Bad Batch take a moment to discuss the Clone Wars series, uh, highlighting all of Cad Bane's episodes, about how he tried to kidnap Palpatine and how he fought the Jedi and blah 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 blah. We did that on a previous episode. Tech reveals that he thinks he knows why Omega is so valuable, that she's a pure genetic replication of Jango Fett. They figure they have to get to Omega before the Camino ends, so they contact Sid to ask about Cad Bane. Do you want to pause here for a second? Yeah, yeah, I need you to explain this to me. What Tech said can cannot possibly be correct. Because if if she's a human, which we're assuming she is, genetics work in the Star Wars universe the same way they work in our universe, she's missing one chromosome that would have been present in um, Boba Fett. So she's not a perfect clone. She's not a, an identical clone. And I don't quite... This really took me out of it for a bit. I don't want to be a huge nerd about this, but if this is the reason why they need her... I have a big problem with this plot. Yeah, it doesn't make sense because 
why not go after Boba Fett? But because in the first episode that they make it like that she's an altered clone, just like them. But now they're saying that she's not. Yeah. So this is the first. The first problem is that it's a continuity error within this series because she's an altered clone. But now they're saying, oh, she's a perfect genetic copy, except she can't be because she doesn't have a Y chromosome. And so, so some the Y chromosome is largely believed to not be over overtly genetically important in the grand scheme of things because you don't even you don't need one to be viable but it is a, a genotypic and phenotypic distinction between like a biologically male and biologically female organism like a human and so there's obviously some genetic material missing could they splice in the y chromosome say like from um like another Y chromosome, say like all the genetic manipulation was done on the X chromosome, and the Y chromosome is just whatever gives uh, gives all the clones wieners. Possibly, I mean, you could like if you had other sources of Y chromosomes, which I guess all the other clones would have them. You could take it from there and and reengineer it, but it just doesn't. My my problems with it go deeper than than like the gender assignment, right? It's just it's just not the plot. It's just not a plot that makes sense because even if they had a genetic code that's perfect, um, one, it was a previous plot point that the genetic code was being degraded. But she has the perfect batch one genetic code. Who gives a shit? Because War Mantle's coming and the Empire isn't buying more clones. Yeah, so there's right. got so to be more to have You have the greatest horse buggy ever built, but... Who's that guy over there named Ford? He's about to fuck your shit up. Yeah. Oh, you know? He's, he's busy ranting about the Jews right now. But he will eventually... <laughs> Fair enough. Get, you know, make the assembly line and pump out Model T's. Yeah, I, um, this is one of those things that's just going to have to... Um, going to have to either be like, uh, okay, or find some way to, to explain it away. Because, like, they know their time is limited. They're, you know, like polishing the brass of the Titanic. So it, there's got to be more to it than just that because they have to know that the, they don't give a shit about the clones. They're just going to use conscripts and volunteers. Polishing the brass of the Titanic was perfect. That is 100% my thinking here. They were like, oh, we, we got to recover this clone because she's perfect. She's a perfect copy. It's like nobody's buying clones. It doesn't matter how perfect she is. Yeah. There has to be something else here. And I don't – this is this is another instance where – and I've – Maybe you just poisoned myself against tech at this point where he was talking about this. And I was like, I don't believe you. This isn't the reason. Well, he's if, if, if tech has proved anything in the show so far, that is that he's wrong <laughs> a lot. All right. They, I, think, I think we're going to talk about this a little bit more later. Let's keep going through the. the uh, OK. I've, we've got a lot. We've got a lot to cover and a lot happens. So back on Cad Bane's ship. Omega is wearing Toto down. Eventually, he releases her so she can fix his leg. Uh, Omega does fix his leg, does a really good job. Toto's leg, after Toto's leg is reattached, he requests that she adjust his calibration. She goes around to the back of the droid, fixes his calibration, and then powers him down. Um, it was a very entertaining scene. I love, I love Toto yeah. so much. I sent you a photo of my Toto toy on my desk today. Mm-hmm. I really love that droid. Um, so Omega starts rifling through the closets to find her comm device. 
Cad Bane takes the ship out of hyperspace at the rendezvous point. Bane calls for Toto because he can't see. There's so many clouds, and Toto does not respond. Uh, this does not affect Cad Bane's ability to land the ship, though. He lands the ship at the abandoned uh, Kaminoan facility, and then he goes in back to find Toto. Omega's still rifling through the closets, and she finds her calm right when Bane finds a deactivated droid in an empty cell. Omega flees off of the ship when Cad Bane turns Toto back on, then they realize that um, Omega is gone. I found the whole Toto and Omega thing to be very entertaining. So did the boys. We watched it together tonight, and the boys were laughing when she starts saying, well, I can fix your leg. <laughs> so yeah. that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I thought that she, I, I was actually thought it was going to go a different route, that like he was going to help her because she was nice to him. But, uh, you know, this works too. Yeah, it's sort of the Damocles story where she pulls the the thorn out of the lion's claw or paw, and uh, then the lion's her friend now. Mm-hmm. So Omega's running into the um, decommissioned facility, and she's using her calm to contact the Bad Batch. And it's it's working. She gets a signal through, but it's very weak. And it's too weak and far away for the Bad Batch to figure out where she is. So Tech starts giving her advice on how to boost her signal so they can locate her. Um, so she's running through Tech's instructions, but Cad Bane shows up and puts binders on her wrists. This part was, I thought it was kind of, it was infuriating and funny at the same time because she's saying like, let me go, let me go. And they're just like, like an old person on the phone. What? Hello? Who? <laughs> it's like they couldn't, you know, you could you could hear her in distress on their side and they're just like it's like they're not even listening so there's a couple things here one it really shows how far her training has gone in a short period of time because she's doing exactly what they discussed like use your comm to establish your location Um, don't trust anyone around you only only trust your squad and so she's doing all the things that they discussed and it's really working for her but you're right that that scene where they couldn't hear her on the phone was frustrating and comical <laughs> yeah cad bane puts these binders on her and starts to drag her away uh he grabs the comm off of her arm and smashes it so she can't contact them using the comm anymore she's resisting and then they hear a blaster shot omega gets this moment of arrogance where she thinks her friends are already there somehow but cad bane cautiously drags omega to the meeting point and they see tonway dead in the hallway this was very shocking to me. They would have this dead character laying in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me as well. Finnick Shand steps out, and she's holding Cad Bane's credits in a little briefcase and standing over the body. This is Bounty Hunter on Bounty Hunter. Here's where it gets interesting. Yeah, so Finnick offers the uh, payment for Omega. Toto flies up behind uh, Finnick and grabs the case kind of like sneakily, and then shooting starts. Bane throws a a detonator towards Shand, and she just does this awesome, you know, sweep the leg, Johnny sort of thing, where she just uh, gets down and kicks it, and it hits Toto, and, to- and Toto gets uh, thrown out of the window. And then, of course, the the uh, container with all the credits opened up. Has nobody in Star Wars ever heard of, like, a padlock or, like, a locking briefcase? So at this moment in the show with watching with the boys tonight, the older boy had said, I don't know why Cad Bane keeps toto around because he's so whiny and then when and then when toto flies up and grabs the briefcase he said oh that's probably why and then toto gets blown out the window with the detonator 
And then the boy was incredibly mad that they had killed Toto. <laughs> they don't let you think that for very long, if you yeah. think it at all. Um, but it's a very action-packed moment. Omega runs away while Fennec and Ken, uh, Ked Bane are fighting, and Toto uh, pursues Omega. Shan disappears during the fight, and Bane pursues, but is caught in a trap and thrown against a wall after a detonator explodes. And so he's kind of out of the count for out for the count for a little bit. And I thought that was pretty cool that like Fennec got the upper hand on him, and he's made it clear that she doesn't, uh, you know, that she's in over her head. She doesn't have the experience to take on somebody of his level yet. You know, she needs yeah, he's, to. He's really mansplaining bounty hunting to her. Uh, and yeah, he gets she's come up and it's pretty fast. Yeah, she needs to uh, grind through a bunch of quests to, before she can be up to his level. So Omega finds herself in a defunct cloning facility of sorts. Now this is kind of cool. Like she, it the whole area just kind of looks like the cloning facility on Camino, except just kind of like like abandoned. And she goes into this room where there's kind of like this ominous green glow. And like in the center of the room, there's like these big I don't want to call them pods or just just this, these glass containers. It looks have so up. much looks so much like those snoke tanks. Yeah. And- the rise of skywalker yeah and there's just you know random bodies like you look at one and it looks like like a partially cloned solston maybe the, um out of the whole thing reminds me of um you've probably never played gears of war but in the game gears of war uh two you go to this uh science facility and there's all these just these tanks like everywhere and they have these things in them and it just i got very much like vibes like that except spoiler alert in the game all the things start to break out here that doesn't happen but it's just still ominous and kind of cool and gross and yeah it gave me the kind of the snoke vibes from uh, the mandalorian after she gets kind of creeped out by what she sees in the uh in the tanks she finds a control panel and sends a new signal to the bad batch this time it's strong enough for them to figure out where she is a place called the uh the Lido system so the bad batch jump jump to hyperspace to go to help her now toto finds bane's unconscious body and tells him that he will recover omega and that he will not fail Bane. Fennec catches up with Omega. Fennec warns Omega that the Prime Minister does not care about Omega, and that she's safest if she goes with Fennec now. So this this whole thing where Fennec says, you'll be safe with me, you'll be safer if you go with me now, this is high-level um, spycraft gaslighting. Because we don't know enough information at this point to know who is lying or why these two bounty hunters are fighting over Omega. And this is a great, great example of how like the truth can be scarier than the lie sometimes. Because Phoenix yeah. says, like, you should come with me because you'll be safer. And there is no chance in hell that that is going to happen, even if it's true. Yeah, for, for, for the longest time, I figured she was just trying to steal the bounty yeah. from, uh, from, back from Cad Bane. You know, it would be it's perfect, but how would she know to be there, right? That's that's the mm-hmm. that's the plot point you have to fill in. It's like, how does she know about the rendezvous? But but this moment, yeah. especially on rewatch, is a huge moment, a huge acting moment for these people because it's obvious what's happening with hindsight, right? You can you can know what's going to happen, and then you can understand that she's actually like probably right in that moment. But it's it's a terrifying possibility to Omega. Toto shows up, and Fennec ends up smashing him. Omega runs to the control panel and during this and tries to smash Fennec with a cloning chamber, which falls on top of her. It uh, breaks and looks like there's a dead Kaminoan clone that's just you know, on top of Shand, and she gets up and it's all 
can see her like kind of like wiping all the goo off of her. It's it's pretty gross, but kind of interesting. At the same time, this this was a very disgusting moment, and the boys thought so, and I loved it. But once again, I was getting just the shape of the Kaminoan body and everything. I was getting Snoke vibes, Snoke vibes again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love this. I love this little thing. She sees that the cloning chamber is cracked, and she tips it. And it breaks, and this huge, like, seven-foot body falls on, on uh, Fennec Shand. It's really awesome. So Omega runs outside and sees that the facility has life pods, or escape pods, same, but Bane is awake and tries to grab Omega. Fennec Shand shows up, and they fight a lot. The fights that they have are is pretty great. It's a lot of uh, martial arts that you would expect from uh, ming you know, the, the You know, all the stunts and stuff that she's done in... Um, Agents of Shield, you know, she's a she's a martial arts expert, so it's only fair that they make her character, you know, her cartoon character, a martial arts expert. While they're fighting, uh, Omega runs away again. She finds a ladder to the platform with the life pods, which is b- below where she's at, like pretty far down, and she starts to go in that direction. It's pretty smart on her part because, like, her hands are still in the binders that she goes onto the side and just kind of like slowly slides down, kind of using it like a, a, a fireman's pole at times. Because I was thinking, like, well, how's she going to do this? And then they showed us, like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, they they really do a lot of great motion work with her character, showing, because she's been in the binders this entire time, right, since Cad Bane caught her um, trying to send the original signal on her bracer. She's been in these binders the entire time. They show her operating, operating the station with binders, climbing down the ladder with binders. They really commit to her being... Um, tied up in this way it's very entertaining it's very good acting and animation there so eventually toto shows up to harass her and to stop her on the ladder she she actually gets to the end of the ladder where it's broken and she tries to go back up and she ends up grabbing onto toto and rides him down on the platform and they both fall and toto ends up like i'm just pretty much just like i don't know crashed on his head and not really and not really moving. Um, she eventually gets the life pod, and Toto tries to tries to stop her, but doesn't really work. And then, you know, during this, there's uh, some great fight sequences with between uh, Bane and uh, Fennec Shand. At one point, Bane has uh, dual uh, under the wrist um, flamethrowers, kind of like Mando has, and it except his were above the wrist. But either way, it's still pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, he's got he's got all the gadgets, and this fight goes on forever. It's like it's like they live level of fist fighting, right? They're completely occupied with each other, and oh, Omega yeah. and Toto are off on this almost entirely separate adventure at this point, and they just keep punching each other. It's really oh, yeah. a good fight. And I and I forgot to even mention that she tosses uh, uh, she tosses like I don't know what what do you call those things like. It's like the like um, the balls with the with the, the balls. strings between them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she she binds him up and then he fall he falls out and all and for a minute I think like oh they're killing Cad Bane, crazy. But Cad he's Bane, got Cad Bane is the character that gets killed like three times in this episode. <laughs> he's got like nine lives, but he gets killed like several times. But yeah, yeah go ahead. But he yeah he has um, jets on his boots, uh, kind of like what. Uh, Star-Lord has in Guardians of the Galaxy and he makes his way back up. In the meantime Omega takes off and Toto is pushed off of the pod. Toto tells Bane that Omega is escaping and that he sees the pod. 
Yeah, so Omega's life pod doesn't have enough fuel because obviously it's been abandoned with that whole station. And she starts to fall back to the ground on a long arc. Suddenly her pod is jolted to a stop and Wrecker calls through the airlock asking if she's in the pod. The uh, Bad Batch pull away from the planet. Omega is shaken and upset and she doesn't know why the Kaminoans are after her. The Bad Batch explain to Omega why they think the Kaminoans are after her. Cad Bane, meanwhile, tries to tries to take off, but his ship has been sabotaged, more likely by Fennec Shand. Uh, and Fennec makes her escape when she contacts is contacted by uh, Lamase. Fennec says that Omega has been rescued by the Bad Batch. This pleases Nalase, and Fennec is paid. Nalase basically says, as long as she's not in the Prime Minister's hands, she'll be safe. Back on the Havoc Marauder. Omega talks to Hunter. She says that she doesn't want to end up as one of the Kamino's experiments. Hunter tells her that the Badge of Batch will protect her and she'll never return to Kamino. Hunter's uh, words are actually like, oh, that that's not going to happen. But it's like, it actually just did happen in the previous episode. You got, he lost a duel to Cad Bane and Omega got captured. So I don't really know if like this is, that's really something he can back up. You know, the episode ends with just kind of looking at uh, Omega, just kind of worried I want to address that thing you just said about Hunter promising that she doesn't have to go back. He, there's like a medical ethics rules, never promise anything. Oh, yeah. That can't deliver. And he can't deliver what he promised. And it made me very uncomfortable to watch it because he has no idea what's coming for him, what's coming for her. And confidence is one thing. Lying to a child who needs reassurance is another thing. Well... I think this episode made it clear that Hunter is the one that she has kind of bonded to. He's he's the adult. Wrecker's more like the goofy big brother or, or uncle who's just a lot of fun, and the rest of them are just kind of like brothers or uncles or something. But she's not nearly she's not as close. She is with them, so it's it's coming coming to like you know Hunter is kind of the father figure, and. As a father, you would tell your kid that even if it's, even if, you know, even if it's not true, you're not going to say that. Well, you know, I don't. There's, yeah, are, are there monsters under my bed, Dad? Uh, of course not. You know, you don't know that there's not monsters under the bed, but you don't tell your kids about all the horrible people in the world. You know, just say, hey, you're going to be okay. True. Like you have to be reassuring, but it's it it just rubbed me the wrong way in the moment. Like you guys just went through hell together, and you're saying that's never going to happen again. You might not realize, but you're on a Star Wars series. It's probably going to happen again. Yeah. At, at least one more time. This season. This season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about Cad Bane? Yeah. So, there's, so you mentioned his sort of shirt and wardrobe alteration. There's a more significant alteration to Cad Bane that's somewhat subtle if you haven't watched Clone Wars in a while. His head wound? His head wound. I think you and I have talked about the unproduced episodes of Clone Wars previously. We've definitely talked about it personally, but I don't know if we ever talked about it on the podcast. But how familiar are you with the unproduced episodes of Clone Wars? Um, not, as, not as much as you are. I know we talked about this a long time ago. There was the Ahsoka walkabout arc, there was the Yuzan Vong, there was the Top Gun arc, and then there was the um, Bounty Hunter arc that people really wanted, and it was Boba Fett versus Cad Bane, where they first like team up, and then it's sort of like a Old West, Clint Eastwood-style, high noon drawdown against Boba Fett and Cad Bane, and they draw on each other, 
and they shoot at the same time, and they hit each other in the head. And this was supposed to be the death of Cad Bane. And the origin of the dent in Boba Fett's helmet that's in his forehead. And this was this was taken to animatic, and you can watch it on YouTube still. I watched it today, where they have this shootout, and it just looks like really incomplete animation. I don't know if you watch the Bad Batch animatics ever. I know I sent you the links to them at one point. Yeah, but it's I like watched, their, I watched their lips, them. Yeah, their lips don't move, and they and their polygons aren't filled in, and so it's like they're hollow. And if they turn their head too fast, you see gaps inside their body. It's that style. Dave Filoni has interviewed that he really loved this arc. Um, so he he's given interviews about this arc and saying that he really loves this plot. The fact that he has a head wound implies that showdown between him and Boba Fett has taken place. He headbutts mm-hmm. Finnick Shand at some point with his like metal plate in their fight, and she falls backward. He has survived this showdown, and he, this is, as far as I'm concerned, that makes that fight canon, until someone mm-hmm. says otherwise. Because it, there's an animatic of it. Bosk is in that episode, too. But there's an animatic of it, and it shows up here with his body modification. I was also watching, like, um, what's the name of the the bounty hunter with the um, with like the Captain America shield for a hat? Embo? Embo, yeah, because he's in, Embo's in Aftermath. Oh, that's right, he is. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted, I want to touch on that Cad Bane stuff, because because of the greater implication of for canon, that that showdown, which, if you just Google, for our listeners, if you just Google Cad Bane Boba Fett shootout animatic, you get a YouTube video. There's several versions of it. I watched the I think it was a three-minute version of the showdown. It's very low-quality animation, but it is sort of a pre-production level of animation um, that they made. And if people aren't aware of like the Crystal Crisis arc where Anakin and Obi-Wan take a huge um, kyber crystal off of Utapau. That's still on YouTube someplace. It's a four-arc Clone Wars episode arc. That's available on YouTube, and then the original arc for Bad Batch is available on YouTube, too, which they just adapted for Season 7 of Clone Wars. But um, the story is actually significantly different than what you saw in the actual Clone Wars. Is there anything else you wanted to mention? Um, she get everything out about uh, the Kaminoans and Omega? I really, really like that Nala Say is sort of defying... Like, there's... That her love for Omega is greater than their need to destroy Omega, I guess. I like that I like that there's gradations in the Kaminoans right now, and that there's opportunity for betrayal here. Because we don't get a lot of depth in the Kaminoans. They're sort of soft spoken, they live in this incredibly sterile environment, they walk slow, you know, you don't you don't get a lot of personality out of them. And this whole Nala Say versus Lama Say, and I really need to enunciate so people know who the hell I'm talking about. Namaste. Na- Namaste. No, the <laughs> Nala Say is the female Kaminoan who loves Omega, and Lama Say is the prime minister who just wants her DNA for yeah. whatever they're going to do with it. Something we didn't mention is that there's a reason why Omega has the name Omega. 
is that near the beginning of the episode where Tech talks about how like she's like an gener you know generation one clone whatever that means with her being a female uh, aside is that there was there's only two of them that weren't you know altered like they were the alpha who is renamed boba and then omega alpha got a a real name once you know Django you know took him in as his son and omega they just just left her with the you know kind of the experiment name you know much like the clones have numbers she just has this Omega, and if I remember right, isn't Omega the last? Is is it the last letter in the Greek alphabet? Yeah, Alpha is the first. Omega is the last letter. Um, I actually completely missed that, but now that you're saying it, I remember them saying that Boba's original name was Alpha. Um, that's incredible. Uh, that makes me think. Now my mind is racing. That's a, that's a wonderful catch. So in the movie, in the movie, Tonway tells Obi-Wan Kenobi that Jango Fett requested a unmodified version of his own clone as part of his payment. Mm -hmm. um, that might be a lie now, but it, it might not be. But when they made Boba, they might have made Omega. So they might have made Alpha and Omega at the same time, and they made it just like a boy and a girl, mm -hmm. just to cover their bases so they would have they would have both versions, both genetic versions of the clone, um, if Omega survives this series, which I'm going to assume she does, um, through a, a lens of optimism and the fact that kids are watching this show and you don't kill the kid on the kid show, can she show up in Book of Boba Fett as a 40-something-year-old sister to Boba? It's possible if she, you know, if she's not destined for different things, she could very easily show up. Guess we'll just have to see. Would you be on board for that? Yeah, I would be. You know, you know, I, a I would like question. I assumed you would be. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I, you know, I would like my theory, of course, to you know be correct, but that could very well not be the case. So let's talk about your theory then. I try not to have a lot of expectations when I watch Star Wars because that's a trap. I would be significantly disappointed if your theory is not true at this point, and this is why I refuse to believe Tech in his explanation that she's just a perfect clone. Because War Mantle is coming, and who cares how perfect of a clone she is? No one wants to buy that template anymore. Mm -hmm. Is it possible that he's incorrect here? What is your thinking? I, I don't. I don't know. A lot of times they say what they mean, except then when they don't, they throw curveballs, you know, in here and there. But it usually has to do. The curveballs usually are when. Uh, another piece of canon material explains something from a previous canon mature, you know, material. They they flip it on its ear. So I think you know they've already got it figured out. So it's more than I don't I don't think that um, if tech is wrong, they're they're purposely you know throwing misdirection um, out there uh, sure. just to to keep the like a big reveal from being spoiled. I don't know. Either way, it could be cool. You know, even if she just turns out to be nobody. I would be fine with anything that happens at this point. Mm -hmm. I'm on for the ride. I do yeah. want to do I do want to do a quick exercise though, because a press release from Star Wars revealed the titles of the next five episodes. Right. If you are down for it, I would like to read the episode and then speculate what might happen or who might appear in that episode. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So the next episode is called Common Ground. What do you think that's about, or what do you think? Who's who do you think is going to show up? Uh, could be Rex. Could be 
could be another like ba- that. bounty hunter. Could be crosshair. I uh, like the idea that it's Rex. I think I think that's cool because they they know that they they can stay in contact and that they're not seen eye to eye, at least not in the in the bracket episode. But now maybe now maybe they can see more eye to eye. Or Bubba Fett. Ooh, ooh, that's awesome. I'm not a huge, you know, I'm not a huge Boba Fett fan, but I would love it if he would show up in this episode, in this series. Mm-hmm. All right, next one. Okay. Devil's Deal. Something happens and they have to work with somebody they don't like. So either. Yeah, I assume this is like a Sid. No, I assume this is like a Sid episode where she makes them do something that makes mm-hmm. them incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, or or this could be a this could be Crosshair making a, a Devil's Deal. You know, because maybe like he's all fucked up now, and they're just like they're going to cast him aside, so he does something to prove himself. Which is, um, I don't know, we'll see. That could be that could be a really good plot too. Um, the next one, I'm super excited about this title: Rescue on Ryloth. Uh, this could be rescuing, you know, rescuing her again. <laughs> I. It could it could be rescuing Cham. Ooh, yeah. That's what I want. I want. Oh. I want to see Baby Hera and Baby Cham Hera. getting mm-hmm. rescued. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I'm. I'm willing to. I'm willing to, to go with that. Or, then, well, oh, is it rescue on Ryloth? Yeah, rescue on yeah. Ryloth is. The yeah. Oh, it'd, it'd be too early for like the events of Lord of the Lords of the Sith. It would. Yeah, it's a couple years early for that. Okay. All right. Keep going. The next one, pretty vague. Infested. Not a lot to go on. Yeah, I don't know. The next one is... You're going to have a big opinion about it. Um, episode 14 is entitled War Mantle. This is where the Stormtrooper... You know, the Stormtrooper program takes off. Yeah, this is going to be our Imperial Officer episode where Rampart um, deploys his conscription program and decommissions the clone army. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have all of the clones coming together. I think this this is a possibility for our Rex, Gregor, and Wolf meetup episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This could be this could be interesting because like only a few clones are like left in like service. Very there's few. Like, yeah, there, there's one that's like an Imperial Guard, there's one that's in the 501st. I mean, there could be others, but the ones we just know of. It's um hmm, oh, that could be really cool. You know, just like all of a sudden all the clones are just like you guys are done. They've been training, you know, training stormtroopers for a while, you know, behind the scenes, and then they, you know, they're going to bring them out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly excited for that episode. Yeah, it's. I'm just the one thing I'm confused is that Rampart is talking about how great the devotion is of ones who volunteer, but Warmantle also makes it sound like they're going to conscript people. When you're conscripted, that means like you're drafted. You don't have a choice. You know, the uh, volunteering. That's not the voluntary enlistment that um, Rampart was talking about. There's going to be a lot of more, a lot more details revealed to us, but I'm I'm super excited that there's a whole episode that appears to be devoted to the to this stormtrooper program because this is a question that you and I have had in our private conversations for years about how do you decommission the clone army? Yeah, and what happened to all of them? Yeah, and so I. I get super excited about this one. That's all the titles that we know right now. So there's an episode 15 and 16 that are currently untitled. I'm, I'm sure they're titled, but we don't know the titles of. Mm-hmm. But that, those are the 
next five episodes. There's one there's one more thing I do want to talk about. Uh, okay, what what is it? So Cad Bane's ship, I mentioned the name earlier. It is the Justifier. Mm-hmm. It is not Cad Bane's ship from Clone Wars. It is a different ship. But the Justifier was the ship that Cad Bane gets in the unproduced Cad Bane and Boba Fett arc for Clone Wars. This is more evidence the Bounty Hunter arc from Clone Wars is did actually happen just off camera. Because he's in the ship called the Justifier, and that was the ship he had in that animatic. Mm-hmm. It's a long episode already. Sorry, everybody. I just wanted to toss in a little bit, little last little piece of trivia before we go on to our patented rating system. First off, did you like it? Oh, sure. We didn't even do that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I found this episode to be highly entertaining. Um, yeah, I... It was exciting. There was a, The fight scenes were incredible. I thought Cad Bane had died at least twice in the episode. Um, and so did my kids. They thought Cad Bane had been killed. I love Finnick Shand as a character. I think she's amazing. And I love seeing her in action. And the whole depth of the Kaminoan politics side of it is even better. I really hope we get more information about Omega in the future and understand why the Kaminoans care about her cloning potential. Um, But other than that, I thought it was an amazing continuation of the last two episodes, which I also thought were just top-notch. Did you like it? Yeah, I I enjoyed it. It wasn't wasn't my favorite, but I think... It's still really good. I didn't hate it. And so, going into this one, um, we'll get to our uh, patented our patented um, rating system. Now, how we rate episodes is we rate it on uh, character. So, a great episode would be, you know, like say like the perfect episode would be something along the lines of a Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, Han Solo, Princess Leia, Chewie sort of thing. And a really bad episode would be Something like um, um, you, said oh, Dak. It, you said Dak, Dak. twice recently, but I, I still dis- I still disagree with that. Um, the guy, but, the, the guy Han Solo yells at um, for uh, for not knowing where Luke Skywalker is. Deck officer, yeah, deck officer, yeah, that guy or the the guy who cleans the Tauntaun shit off of the uh, off the walls of the uh, of Echo Base. He gets he gets a story and um, a certain point of view that you'll never read. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what do you what do you rate this episode? I think I'm going to give it a Zeb. A Zeb? Ooh. I think it's I think it's a good episode because of the episodes that sort of surround it. If that makes sense, it's. I like it a lot by itself, but if I hadn't watched the previous episodes, it would make no sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a lot of depth there. Like we got when I was watching Rebels for the first time, I was like, "Oh, Zeb is the big dumb Chewbacca character," but they actually made him dumb and can speak. But the more that show went on, it be- just became so important that he was there. And his species, the story of his species, and everything got filled in about him. So I think this episode for me is such a wonderful Omega episode. It's such a wonderful um, Kaminoan episode. It's not such a great Bad Batch episode. 
you don't really learn anything about the Bad Batch at all. You get these great characters doing these amazing things. This episode might be ancillary in the long run, but we learn so much about Cad Bane, about Omega, about Camino politics. Um, yeah, I think it's a Zeb for me. Okay. At the beginning, when they were getting chased by when they're getting chased by Crosshair, Crosshair was giving me a. I was getting a very uh, very Dengar vibe off of uh, off of uh, Crosshair because he's just all he's all screwed up. He's got bandages everywhere, and then they're just you know there's so much. It was so bounty hunter centric. You know, I'm I'm going to give this episode a Dengar. Good call. That uh, you know, it was just very enjoyable. You know, kind of like mid mid tier. You know, Dengar's not a huge character. He's not even like a one of the main bounty hunters, but you know, it's still pretty important. I'm pretty sure Dengar was invited to Han Solo's wedding in the in the novel. So in the novel, yeah, in the novel, the marriage of Princess Leia, whatever the the old Legends novel. Oh yeah, I don't count that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying that that Dengar gets his Dengar gets his screen time, but <laughs> he, like he gets wasted at the open bar. He makes an ass out of himself. Uh, yeah, we've been to weddings together. We know how it goes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, we should end it here. Um, thank, thanks uh, for listening. You know, be sure to tell a friend who's heavily into Star Wars about uh, the show, and uh, tell somebody at work you really can't stand about the show because you can really fuck them over for a little bit. We'll be back next week with episode ten of Clone Wars. See you next week. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Note as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewa, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Coach, you chop the do, you know. Coach, you chop the